0: hey everyone thanks so much for joining me on the slice of healthcare podcast i'm your host jared taylor joining me today is joe benedello the co-founder and chief growth officer at iks health joe how are you today
1: great great Uh... Really good, Jared. Hope you're doing well, and, and thank you for having me on the, the show.
0: Absolutely. Excited to have you. Let's dive right into it. Tell us about your background a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, interesting background. I, I thought that I wanted to be a philosophy professor. Um, and, uh, you know, was in grad school, and uh, a friend talked me into getting into technology testing. And I didn't really know a whole lot about computers, but he's like, you know, you're into analytical reasoning. It's 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 if-then statements. Why don't you come and see how you like testing? And, and I did, and I liked it because it was really solving problems. And what that launched me into was a career that quickly took me global. So all of a sudden, I was testing technology that was coming out of uh, Japan, and I was Coordinating projects for for technology that had to be developed into a a whole bunch of different languages. And so I learned the intersection of globalization and 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 the application of emerging technologies. I think early in my career that led to uh, a couple of jobs and a startup. Uh, The startup that I did ran from ninety nine to two thousand and two uh it was funded by a group called ziff davis and spun out and and then eventually uh, acquired by um a publicly traded company up in uh, Waltham, massachusetts called lionbridge technologies at lionbridge in 2002 that was really my first exposure to healthcare, and it was such an eye opener for me when um you know i learned just about all of the opportunities to bring efficiencies that had maybe existed in other industries, things that had been solved either through technology or um, rationalization of task, or distributed work teams that really hadn't found their way into technology. And at first I was just on the payer and um, pharma side, but then I got exposed to the provider space and, and holy cow, was that an eye opener for me. Um, when I saw just about uh, just the the chaos of the environment that uh, the providers were being asked to per, to perform in, and kind of the downstream consequences on care, and I think um, you know my partner, our, our CEO Sachin Gupta, worked at me at the same company, and that was the real eye opener for us that there was an opportunity to to take what we had learned in in other places. And really apply it to this emerging opportunity in, in healthcare,
0: which became
1: I which guess became Health, IKS right? Health, <laughs> you know. And, and so IKS Health, um, you know, really launched in fall of two thousand six and, and opened our doors in, in two thousand seven. And and the the one experience that I think really shaped the company was something that we had done. Um, while we were still at Lionbridge, there was a a healthcare company called Beverly, publicly traded at the time. Uh, s- you know, stock was trading in the uh, some dollar thirty, dollar twenty five range, and we were doing a, a significant amount of software work for them. And realized that uh, through at dinner with the C fo that they had a real revenue cycle problem they had a completely totally distributed revenue cycle 1400 locations everyone doing its own building and collecting they had a very difficult time rolling up uh financials and reporting thus their 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 stock price long story short we did a classic kind of um centralization consolidation standardization of tasks We wrote technology at that time that did a whole lot of automation. And then we brought in expertise to handle either the edits, the audits, the kickouts, and then also to drive insight into what was the behavior that would would, uh, be exhibited at the homes that would change revenue cycle outcomes. Long story short, we took out about $17 million in costs. They were a couple billion dollar company uh, they were running a DSO in the mid-90 days. We took the, the DSO over 18 months to the high 30 days. Only 20% of that got written off. So it was a huge one-time cash infusion. Long story short, um, you know, remade the financials, tied it into some other smart things that the, the, the management company did. And they took that stock up to almost $13 a share before it was taken private. And I think that was the moment that my partner and I looked at each other and we said, you know, the next time we do this, we're going to do this for ourselves. So, you know, as I said, we opened in January 2007, 12 people, 25,000 square feet and said, you know, what would we do now? And I think from the start, we knew to focus on revenue cycle because that was the part of the physician um, continuum that was most, I think, easily understood to be Done with a partner. We also thought that it was the single decision that could drive the greatest financial impact. So, you know, for us today, when we do a, a revenue cycle opportunity with someone, we're saving about 35 percent off the cost to to do it, and driving you know two to four percent increase in collections. So that was the, the really the genesis. But the idea all along was this idea of how do we promote better, safer care and the concept was we believed that practices were going to get bigger and in 2007 we had just started to see some indications but we thought it was going to happen and unlike in in the 80s and 90s that they were going to stay bigger and it was primarily due to technology that we were thinking that because as more and more technology gets applied in the organization the cost of infrastructure for every organization um, certainly goes down as you add physicians. And so, you know, you see, you, you kind of need the same oper- uh, operating infrastructure for a five-doctor group that you need for a 500-doctor group. You gain operating leverage at size. But we also um, were planning is, as, as, you know, we had, were big believers that there was going to be a, a, a transformation in how healthcare was reimbursed. And so we had an eye on value. And as we thought about, if organizations are going to get bigger, if reimbursement is going to, going to change. And then we looked at how technology was applied in healthcare today. And what's really interesting about technology in healthcare today, it's, it's kind of unique compared to other industries in that, as healthcare has taken technology on, it's created burden at the most discretionary highest level worker in the value chain, which is the physician, Those organizations get bigger, and industries consolidate they kind of create this task pyramid and on the top of the pyramid is that highest value most discretionary worker and what we found with healthcare was that even as healthcare technology was doing very valuable things and doing some things very well it would also create work to be done and that work to be done was falling on on the provider and so iks even as we were launching in the revenue cycle services, our concept from the beginning was a simple one. If a doctor doesn't have to do it, a doctor shouldn't do it. And if it doesn't have to happen in the exam room, don't do it in the exam room. And that concept of how do we make that space sacred? How do we make it intimate? How do we make it focused? I think has shaped our our entire offering because we cascade that now through the entire value chain of healthcare workers. If an MA doesn't have to do it, let's not make the MA do it. If it doesn't have to happen in the clinic, don't do it in the clinic. If it doesn't have to at the front desk, don't do it at the front desk. And as you start to break that, what you do is you disaggregate task into two chunks. There is the core task and the core task is really the essence of what makes a provider a provider. It's why you go to medical school. It's why you become an MA. It is the things that only that you can do. And if we can start to allow our providers and our provider organizations to focus on their core, what is that? It's provider wellness, it's your growth strategy, it's your payer contracting strategy, it's patient care, it's pathways, it's those types of things. And then you start to think about what are the chores? Well, it's certainly revenue cycle, but it's documentation, it's population health, it's digital health, it's making sure that the right information is at the right EHR at the right time. All of these types of really necessary force multipliers, and IKS becomes that through a combination of, again, standardization, centralization, and optimization, which is a a combination of technology with expertise, because even the technology that we bring creates tasks to be done, and we want those tasks to be done at the the right area of the value chain. And so that was the the real concept and journey of the company. Today, we're providing services for about 35,000 physicians, a little over 6,000 employees, uh, based at our centers in the United States and wholly owned centers in, in India. And for our clients, you know, they are some of the biggest enterprise names in in healthcare. So if you, you know, you did a search for us on the internet and we're looking at the Boston Globe, you'd see articles about our impact at at Mass General. Or if you're looking in in New York, you'd see impact of what we've done at Caremount, which is an um, Optum provider. But that idea of how do we protect the patient uh, physician encounter to drive better, safer, and more efficient care. And I think that efficiency point is also critical because for us, efficiency is sustainability. There's lots of things that you can do to provide better, safer care, but if it is not uh, efficient, it's not gonna be sustainable. So probably pretty long answer to a direct to a No, direct no, I,
0: I love it. Um, thank you for that overview, really helpful. I, I wanna shift our focus if we can to a topic that I think a lot of us hear a ton about, uh, provider burnout. Yeah. Uh, maybe give us give us a snapshot of where provider like what you see today with provider burnout, and maybe where where it's trending, and maybe what. Don't give us the secret sauce, but yeah. what needs to sure, what needs sure. to be well, done. Sure. I, 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 th-
1: I think that it's e- e- evolving, but for me, provider burnout is as much about meaning as it is about workload. Because, you know, I've watched and and shadowed too many providers in my day, and as I've watched them, I just see how many tasks that they're forced to do that are absolutely necessary in the the production chain of healthcare, but that the doctor is doing them, is not not bringing any value to the doctor or the patient. And so one is provider burnout is what we're asking our physicians to do. And the second part of it is how much we're asking physicians to do. So, you know, if you think about documentation burden in the 60 to 90 minutes uh, a day that doctors are spending on the EHR every night, that is hitting doctors both in terms of time and meaning. When you think about inbox management and all the noise that are coming through and all the things that they have to click through, it's not just time, but it is meaning and what we found is when we offload some of those mission critical but not provider necessary tasks like handling their documentation or reducing their inbox volumes or doing a pre-visit summary that tees them up providers work more providers really like to care for patients and that has been one of the delights that 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 I've noticed so for me provider burnout is both um reducing the scope of work while allowing the provider to accomplish more and what i've seen time and time again is that that provides energy and what's very interesting is you know we have a a a solution called scribble where where we provide a uh, a microphone on the form of a tablet that allows the physician to practice naturally Um, you know we run that visit through our technology and then have clinicians look at it do all the all the documentation that is a huge provider productivity, um, you know, documentation, which drives reimbursement, uh, improves the vehicle. It's a huge provider burnout vehicle. What's interesting is that there's like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's almost a 92% correlation of uh, either the press gainy scores or the NPS scores for that provider patients as they rate that experience. And so the patient is enjoying the visit more. And why they are is because a provider that has burdened less is a happier provider. And a provider that isn't pecking away at their computer is someone that is empathetic and communicating and, and involved in that interaction. So it's really interesting to see the correlation of, you know, we pull some of the the, the chore off the provider, allow them to focus on the core, and that energy then translates to the patient encounter, which is critical, not just in, in, in fee-for-service medicine, but when you think about value-based care when you're trying to affect somebody's behavior. You're talking to someone about, you know, hey, how are we going to manage your smoking or or, or what are we going to do about, you know, diet or or any other stress-related lifestyle changes. To have someone that is communicating to you and invested in you rather than managing a piece of technology, I think that addresses burnout in in a really significant way and a way that's benefiting everybody.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. I'm always really curious about that topic because we hear about it all the time. Um, if you set a Google alert for provider burnout, you'll quickly turn it off because you'll be overwhelmed with how many alerts you get. Uh, what, what if, uh, if we can move on to something, um, else I really wanted to talk with you a little bit about, and it's this, uh, the, the interplay between tech and staffing shortages. So we talk about provider burnout, but another topic that we hear a ton about is staffing shortages, both within, it's not just health systems anymore now too, right? It's in virtual care. It's, it's, uh, it's everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so go, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear your thoughts on 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 that interplay and then kind of maybe how one affects the other and where we're
1: heading. Yeah. So I think I think that there is, you know, the exciting news is that there is a significant amount of technology that is disrupting what were formerly people heavy tasks. You know, there are there are um, things that you can do for for check in and scheduling um, and. you know uh benefit verification and 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 really establishing that you know i think that there is certainly the move to virtual visits which has been a kind of an interesting adoption curve because we saw it really go up during COVID, and all of us said ah the sea change is here and and actually now the tide is gone in in the other way and 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 as as we come out of it but you know i think the the important thing about all of those 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 elements of technology is one how do you artfully insert those into the workflow and you know uh i think there's there's enough examples that we can probably all all think of that i won't pick on any 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 company including my own here Um, but where we've developed something that is really great, but we haven't quite thought like how does this fit neatly into a provider team's workflow, and not just the physician, but that whole team, right? You know, and, and it is a team. It's a team that gets the patient from the parking lot through the front office into that room, back out and, and, and home. And so, you know, where and how do you stage your technology interventions? And your technology adventures are going to create some work to be done. Now, what's interesting about that is technology will do most of the stuff that is repeatable rules-based programmatic in nature. And what it's going to leave is discretionary tasks to be done. Um, And so, you know, it will effectively raise the skill level on the folks that are left and the the consequences of attrition in a higher skill level environment are also going to be more severe because then there's going to be a, a higher job learning level you know the other component is the the backbone of of, of so much of healthcare. you know ma's on down you're competing now with every practice in the country, but really every industry in the country, that is a sweet spot of a, of a, of a service industry worker. And so if you can't figure out a, a way to use technology and, and for us, a big part of the answer is um, you know, industry trained remote expertise. Then I think that you are going to continually be fighting a battle of, of not only filling the seat, but filling the seat with the right skill level. So our solution uh, uh, of it has been leverage the existing technology footprint of our clients and make their technology work better through a couple of different ways. One is by becoming um, um, the executioner or, or, or the execution engine, maybe not the executioner of, of the uh significant tasks that accumulate. And if we can leverage that technology to do those, those tasks either in Dallas or Chicago, or do those tasks in, in uh, you know, our facilities in, in, in Mumbai, all the better. But also as we're doing that, we're bringing in our own pieces of technology that are really EHR uh, pop health tool practice uh, program management, um, or um, practice management software agnostic that are also providing this technology layer and, and bringing a different level of horsepower to, to those applications. So, so for us, I think technology both reduces the need um, for having so many people in healthcare, but then raises the consequences in the bar for, for everyone that you have left.
0: great answer. Uh Joe, really appreciate hearing your thoughts on it. And thanks for giving us also, which is very difficult for people to do, um, you know, giving us your thoughts on it overall and <laughs> not teeing up as much as I know uh IKS can can help with most of what we discussed here today. Um, you know, not making it promotional and just explaining your your genuine, you know, thoughts. Yeah, I'm on, on, on fire so really about the that. idea.
1: And and and, Love it. and I know that we're bringing Real value every day to the thirty five thousand providers that, that that we support. I know that we're making it better for their patients. And I know their organizations are better off financially. Um, I don't know that we're the only people that do this, and I don't know that we have the only answer to this, but I believe in our answer, but I'm on fire for the problem and 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 get excited that I get to solve it. Love it. well, uh,
0: Joe. Again, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Hopefully, we can have you back on again real soon. And uh, you know, wish you and IKS Health the best of luck.
1: Hey, thank you, and I appreciate the work that you're doing here, and and you know, starting uh, the discussion and continuing the discussion on these important topics. Um, you know, they can feel overwhelming, but we believe that there are pragmatic, uh, pragmatic solutions that can really bring value today, even as we wait for the triquarter you know, world of, of tomorrow, the, the intermittent steps, there's just, just so much value to bring. So, so thank you and and appreciate the work that you're doing.